This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show, where each week we discuss best practices in the field of customer experience management. I'm Tom DeWitt, Director of CXM at MSU, and I'm joined by my co-host and partner in crime, Bob Keipel, Vice President of CX of M and retired Global CX Executive with General Motors. Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show. I'm Tom DeWitt, and I'm joined by Bob Keipel. Uh, today, we are honored uh, to be joined by a fellow Spartan and Senior Director of Customer Engagement for Valvoline. Welcome to the show, Jake Lustman. Thanks so much for having me, Bob and Tom. It's great to be with you guys. Well, let's jump in um, right away. Jake, um, could you just tell us a little bit about what you do in your role as Senior Director of Consumer Engagement at Valvoline? Yeah, so for the way I look at consumer engagement is uh, we're trying to get folks to take an action with us, right? And uh, the way in which we do that is uh, by engage by by in, you know engaging, talking, communicating with them. And um, the way we look at it is sort of through three sort of verticals. Uh, one being trying to find new customers to bring into our uh, into our stores to get a to get a uh, to get an oil change. The second is around cultivating partners and um, working with other uh, organizations, companies, municipalities, and the like. Uh, to try to uh, 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 cultivate a community, bring folks in through their channels. And then finally, you know, sort of the, the tried and true, continue to de- defend our, our base and keep folks coming back for more, um, you know, as we work through sort of traditional uh, CRM uh, programs and, and retention uh, marketing to, to keep, keep folks coming back. Um, you know, the underpinning of all of that is this ongoing data ecosystem and, uh, you know, I, I protect and help shepherd the data uh, for folks, making sure that everything uh, uh, stays safe and secure. And, uh, and yeah, so that's, that's how we look at consumer engagement at Valvoline. Can you, give, can you just give us a little idea of the scale, like how many locations, um, how, how, what's your ranking in the business, that sort of thing? Sure, absolutely. So um, from a Valvoline Instant Oil change location, we have about 15, over 1,500 locations across the, the United States. Um, we operate um, uh, both as a company-owned and a, and a franchise model. So about, about half of the locations are company-owned, about half are, are franchise-owned. Um, we operate in Canada as well under the Great Canadian Oil Change uh, banner there. Um, and um, we also operate uh, a model called Express Care. Um, you know, one of the interesting things about Valvoline and, and we look at our business is <clears throat> we, we manufacture and, and, and sell oil, but then we also, you know, service vehicles and, and cars. And so our express care model um, allows us to work with uh, independent, um, uh, independent uh, service center uh, owners um, and they, they get the rights to use uh, Valvoline brands and products and things like that. Um, in terms of in terms of of ranking, you know, we're working. Uh, we get a 4.6 out of five star rating from from our customers, and and that's some of the most important ranking about uh, how we get feedback from our, from our customers. Um, but most other folks, sort of in the quick loop space, uh, you know, with our competitive set is you know the the like of of many of the big names that you've heard. But 
we also, uh, you know, we're competing with anybody and everyone that uh, um, can change your oil um, and service your vehicle, which is such an interest. It's an interesting industry um, because everyone's got their own take and their own uh, preference on sort of who and how uh, they maintain their vehicle. So kind of to that point, you know, you've kind of answered a little bit. Um, how, how has the business model evolved over the years, um, you know, from just oil changes to sure. higher levels of service? And how, how has that, you know, how has that impacted how you manage a customer experience? So now, you know, when I can remember 30 years ago, when 30, 35 years ago, when this first kind of started, it was, it was very much assembly line, just drive in and drive out. But how, how has the Valvoline um, business model changed over time? Sure. So you're right, actually. Your, your timing is spot on, too. So we've yeah. been around since the, the, the mid-early 80s uh, in, yeah. in terms of Valvoline instant oil change business. And, and you're right, you know, the, the business was a bit predicated under this fact of, um, you know, the, the number one service that cars need is an oil change. How can we do this more effectively, more efficiently? And so you started to see this, the quick lube model uh, emerge. You know, and one of the things that we've that we've always, uh, you know, held true to is this idea that you can come in and out in about 15 minutes to get an oil change. Right. And you don't have to you don't have to leave your car, which that that concept in itself, I think, was something that certainly in the last year has been been really helpful for us. So that wasn't anything new for us. We've been doing that for a long time. But now it means something different for folks as they think about their own personal health and safety. But the benefit to the customer is that while you stay in your car, you can see all of the work being done in front of you. And I think that's a bit of the mystique of having your car taken into a dealership or any other you know, service center where it, it disappears into the back room and it sits there for an hour and a half. And you're like, did they do anything? What, I'm not sure. What, what the heck's going, going on? on? You know, the what's coffee out here, here is terrible. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> In about 15 minutes, you stay in your car, you see, you see this beautifully choreographed dance by our team, team member, you've got, you know, a, our, our, our customer service uh, representative who's, who's talking with the customers, you've got a technician that sits up top that's working under the hood of your car, and then we've got a technician underneath your car in the bay. And I think that's the other, you know, different store layouts, right, where um, not every store had always had sort of the pit underneath the vehicle. And I think that's the other piece is that you've got, you know, three vehicles in one of our service centers and we've got three pits below and we've got, you know, team members working, you know, underneath your car. Um, now the other, the other, so, so from just a, a service model perspective there, you know, we, we continue to uh, evaluate sort of the, the order of operations of, you know, way in which we do service um, that combined with technology has has is is rapidly changing our business right and the customer expectation now is um, how can I engage and interact with any and all brands digitally now that's something that we think a lot about um, and uh, so much so to the fact that uh, you know our business is simple so we're 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 trying to figure out the best way to engage with folks digitally because it's a lot like, uh, uh, it, it, you know, getting your oil change. It's a lot like going to the dentist. You go twice a year, right? And it's like, how much, how much is the right, or how much is too much digital engagement to go and get your oil change, to get your car serviced, you know, twice a year. 
And so it's fine, striking that right balance where we become a help, not a hindrance, and we provide the right amount of information, not too much information, or, you know, in the case of the dealership, you know, you know information sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. And so technology is going to continue to to usher in. And, and in fact, in a lot of, in, in a number of our stores, we have a technology called CarCam. And CarCam is a, a video technology where when you are getting your oil changed or your car serviced or your tires rotated um, in our service center, um, we've got two cameras, one on the top so you can see the work actually done by the technician and one underneath your car. So it just adds oh, to the experience cool. um, where you are actually seeing, you know, um, and in some cases we've got some, some different types of technology where you can actually see the oil coming out of your vehicle. You know, at the end of our service with you, we bring the dipstick over and we actually show you the oil on the end of the end of the end of the dipstick. And it's these sort of like simple little um, nods to say, look, we're, we're being transparent with you. We, we've, we've done the work. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, and there you go. And so that, that's sort of this, I say all of that because there's this undercurrent of, oh, that, you know, that, trust. That's really um, critical in the auto repair industry because yeah. there's so much distrust because the customer has so little understanding about how cars run. And, you know, we've all been kind of blind, you know, I, I don't know about how you feel, but whenever I had a, you know, beyond oil changes, there's a lot of anxiety because it's like, okay, how much is this going to cost? You know, what is it? And then we had no idea. Well, it's your discombobulator. It's loose and we're going to have to replace it. So that transparency is really, really interesting. You're absolutely right. And it's, it's interesting too, because the, the, the average car driver knows that they have they turn the ignition in their car and the car runs about it. right and that's, that's all we want to know that's all we think we need and to know. Yeah. exactly and so we you know it's really important for us to continue to meet our customers where they are and so that's why you know and from a consumer engagement perspective we talk a lot about sort of what happens in between the time that they get an oil change what are we doing what are we saying how do we make how are we making them feel right and then what are we doing to better prepare folks um, when they come in and see us. And then when they are there getting their oil changed, what are we doing to ensure that it, we're, we're, we present the work or the recommended service in a way that is um, sharing information and not trying to push or sell or put anybody in any mm -hmm. uncomfortable situation? Um, because that's the, the last, what we want is informed customers that, that feel safe to, to use us uh, so that they keep coming back, certainly. Um, and, uh, and, but that lack of knowledge where, you know, if, if you're not reading your, you know, your, uh, yeah. your truck's manual service manual on sort of what, what a 50,000 mile, uh, service looks like, you know, you, you won't know that we're going to recommend a transmission flush and, you know, that's yeah, right. not something that's, you know, in, inexpensive, right? Well, Jake, I have to tell you, my fondest memory of a quick oil change was right around 1990. Um, maybe before you were born, um, and uh, way before I, I was born. Yeah, yeah, I was probably. I like, was born. Oh. Don't worry. You were in your twentieth year at GM. Come on, forget yeah. about it. No, but this is when you know when it was really popular. Is before, uh, uh, before. Uh, anyway, anyways, I can remember being in a queue at one of these places. I can't remember if it was Valvoline or not, and someone coming out with a box of donuts and a pot of coffee 
um, while people were waiting in line. And it's interesting, you know, just that, that level of empathy and personal care and attention. And I, I can't tell you what donut it was or not, but just the gesture was amazing. So, mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the future, but I want to just comment on something you were just saying about the evolving customers because back in the original days of cars, you know, you had to get out and crank the car and then, you know, you had to actually know how to actually maybe even rebuild the car and then in the 70s and even into the 80s consumer reports had a question on their uh, survey did the car start the first time like that's a crazy it sounds crazy now Um, so now all the users are just like getting in the cars they don't even probably open the hood ever Mm -hmm. Um, so so going forward to the future what are Valvoline's future customer experience management goals and what plans are you putting in place to address those? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's, 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 it's interesting, right? Because just as the advent of technology is moving other parts of our world and society, so, so goes the car. Right. Um, and uh, the, the fact, you know, and I, you know, take GM's announcement of, of electric, you know, the handful of electric vehicles they are going to have in the next, you know, five, 10 years. Right. And, and think about what that's going to do and push uh, the, the rest of, of society and, and all, all call car drivers to, think, think about the, the type of vehicle they have, you know, and so for us at Valvoline, I sort of go back to, you know, what our core mission is as an organization. And we're, we're actually, we're all about being a, you know, a maintenance and service provider for, for people's vehicles. So take that at its, at its simplest core, that, that actually allows us the, the latitude and the flexibility um, to continue to meet the customer where they are with the type of vehicle they have, whatever that, that service might be now. I'm. I might imagine. I was just thinking about sort of the, you know, uh, does your car start uh, and sort of the the problems maybe that cars had back in the, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, and versus the problems I think cars are going to have in the future, which is my my on-screen dashboard computer isn't coming up um, or there's a glitch in the in the com- in computer uh, software, or, or my battery, right? or my battery doesn't last as long as it used to, or whatever. It, yeah. Right, oh, wow. and so, if so, in terms of what it means to just maintain your vehicle, I think those then become part of the American driver's lexicon, and so um, that that's that's something we have to think about. It's some you know something that all car manufacturers in have to think about. Um, the, 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 the part that for us, though, at least here in the near term, is that there are still going to be a car, no matter what, still has moving parts, right? And those moving parts need to be maintained. Um, and that, that is, for us, that will always be the case in terms of, you know, how we check safety points and, and um, valves and belts and things on, on your vehicle, um, especially as we think about sort of our view from the from the bottom up, right? Um, in in terms of maintaining your car, um, so I think that that sort of future of of customer experience, sort of in bay, that that's sort of what you can expect. The other part is, and what I think is coming much faster, and it's frankly already here, is the way in which we get in touch, communicate, remind, educate our customer from just a pure. Um, empathetic communication standpoint we when a car rolls through we 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 obviously get tons of information about make model of your vehicle 
you know, if, if you've been coming into our service centers, um, we, we know when, when you've been in last and, and, and not. So how do we, how do we serve back the information we collect on your vehicle or we know about your vehicle and make sure that you also have access to it? And I think that's the, the future, um, uh, uh, of getting your car maintained is all of these records that come come with it. Because I think about think about your dealership experience when you go in and they you know they might leave a stack of papers in your front seat uh, after you uh, get your car checked. Um, but is that is that really what people want? Yeah, and you stuff them in your glove box and you forget about them until you clean right. them. Right. Yeah. Right. And and so you know <clears throat> they they do those things to maintain a record for themselves, but in turn, it's not really a, it's not a gift back to the customer. And so that that's what makes me think about how do we, oh, yeah. you know, how do how do we take some of these things that have been tried and true that have been about us the brand and make it more about you awesome. you the driver less less car more people. Yeah. And I think that's the big shift that's going to be coming. So tell us a little bit about the development of the customer experience management function at Valvoline, um, more so in terms of organizational development and mindset change. You know, we've talked about this a lot, you know, uh, how CX is making its way into organizations, maybe even in terms of the different roles for CX professionals <laughs> at Valvoline. So it's it's actually it's it's interesting because um, in so many ways we it's everyone's job to be a CX manager to us to a certain extent because <clears throat> we all collectively own the relationship and are on the hook for delivering um, an experience uh, to a customer and so you know you you might imagine we we think about things um, sort of along a customer path or the different different touch points that a customer may have uh, with us, whether that be our team, you know, and I, and I give all the credit in the world to the, to our teams who are day in and day out running the stores, greeting our customers, meeting them where they are talking about service. I mean, that there's a, there's a lot of um, high touch that happens there. And then behind the scenes, it's thinking about, Again, it's thinking about the data empathetically and how do we collect customer data and keep it safe, but then use it for the good of the customer. What are, you know, what are the communications we're devising both to bring somebody in for the very first time or bring them back for the sixth, seventh, eighth, tenth time uh, in a row and do so in a way that um, makes them feel like we know them. We know their, we know their habits. We know their, their vehicle that they're driving right, right then and, and now. Um, and that's really important. And then the other part of this is, frankly, the the, the CX of our team and our and our, our and our people and the way in which we cultivate it in experience amongst ourselves as as team members of of, of Valvoline. And whether we're um, you know working in the store or we're working in our corp in a more corporate function or whether we're working with some of our franchisees, there is this constant. And you know, I'm a I'm a newer employee to Valvoline. I've I've only been there since uh, June of of 2020, and I will tell you, I think that that's sort of an uh, a part of our customer experience. When I think about our employees, how we onboard them, how we bring them in to the fold, that frankly, our our HR team is is at the helm of, and is a vital part of ensuring that 
we can ultimately deliver a really positive customer experience to our end user, whether that be somebody who's getting their oil change, whether that be a, uh, you know, a commercial partner who's buying, you know, heavy duty uh, lubricant from us. Um, it all starts with our people. Um, and, uh, you know, there's great people everywhere, but I do think there is a way in which uh, people get welcomed, collaboration is facilitated that then ultimately pays dividends uh, on the, on the back end. Let me, let me build on that. We were chatting before actually the episode started uh, a little bit about how you recruit for values at the store level. Can you describe what you mean by that and the kind of experience that you're trying to create? Because it is quite a team uh, event, you know, to change somebody's oil. Absolutely. Yeah. So it, again, it all, it all starts with our people. And when you, when you think about um, the communities in which we serve um, across the country, uh, they're each different and unique. And, um, and because of that, our teams become a reflection of the communities in which, which they serve. And um, I, I was, was reflecting on a, a visit I made to Grand Rapids not, not too, too long ago. And I went in and, and met the service center manager. And I was just continued to be struck by the fact that car after car would, would come in and he knew everyone. He was like the mayor of of this, you know, community, uh, you know, store right outside of Grand Rapids. And um, that is not an uncommon phenomenon we find because uh, the the orchestration that happens between our technicians that are working on the car, the interaction with the with the customer, and you know, there's two three cars, you know, all being serviced at the same time, all in about fifteen minutes, twenty minutes or so, right? Um, and so there has to be this uh, open communication and you, you'd see it if you go into a Valvoline instant oil change, you, you stay in your car and you watch all the work being done and you could take two, three minutes and just observe the team you can see the way they talk with one another. And all of those things are, are extremely important, not only to our own team member safety, but then value back to the customer because we're planning and we're communicating and we're talking um, that allows us to then deliver this um, great experience for folks to get them, get them in and out. But it, it all starts with, it all starts with great people and uh, ensuring that we, um, you know, uh, cultivate that leadership and talent um, uh, at the, you know, the very store level. So how, how do you explain high level performance and what is a very repetitive and redundant task and, and, and also keep a uh, high level of employee retention. That's gotta be tough. Yeah. It, you know, it's, I, the, the, I, it's interesting because there is there, despite the fact that, you, I mean, we're very good at, at changing oil, but when you think about the, the spice of life that will roll through the, the, our stores from time to time, the makes and models, uh, you know, each have their own flavor and com own unique complexity that from a just a pure uh, problem solving perspective, keep keeps everybody, um, you know, engaged and excited to, to, to take on a task. Um, you know, the other part of this, too, is that, um, you know, oftentimes our stores are, um, you know, not terribly far from another store. And so, often team members know one another at, at, you know, opposing stores. And so there's this 
fun um, competition called sibling rivalry competition yeah. that that also happens around you know who can provide the best and we talk about this uh, all the time is like you know who who provided the best customer experience today what kind of feedback are are we getting mm -hmm. and you know that that feedback then gets published um, and uh, and and team members can see it and so there is that uh, that that uh, friendly competition that I, that I also think aids in the um, you know what otherwise might be yes a, a repetitive repetitive task. Well, that's cool. I'm gonna I'm, when I when I get back to Michigan, I'm gonna bring my plug-in hybrid in there and 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 let them deal with Please it. Please do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'm looking <laughs> Who forward knew? to it now. Yeah, yeah. Professor driving out, a hybrid makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, Jake, you you joined Valvoline quite recently. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your career? path and, and how it brought you to Valvoline? Yeah, for sure. So, um, right, uh, graduated Michigan State and, and went to work for <clears throat> Discover Financial Services. And um, at, at my time at Discover, I, I started out in um, a couple of digital communication roles, <clears throat> but spent most of my time doing brand communication, um, mass advertising and, and the like. And I was uh, at Discover at the time when we were coming out of the Great Recession of 0809, and um, we had just done a, a ton of research to better understand and how, how to position ourselves moving moving forward and sort of uh, <clears throat> resetting expectations with with customers. And um, and that what that's that re that body of research ultimately led us to launch the Discover It card. Which when I think about a truly empathetic consumer first credit card. Um, it was the the one um, when it when it launched in, in 2011, and now you know a lot of competitors have copied some of the things that that Discover had done. But uh, so I was there. I launched the We Treat You Like You Treat You campaign that was all about reciprocity. So when I think about sort of my uh, baptism by fire into the sort of CX uh, consumer engagement world, it was it was really through the eyes of that. And our chief marketing officer at the time would have us doing um and at the time we didn't call them we didn't call it consumer you know journey mapping or empathy mapping but we were doing you know we called them wall tests and uh it was take all the communication put it up on on uh, on a wall see how it all hung together step by step walk through what the customer was going to experience what we wanted to, them to to feel and then take the action and um, and so it was a combination of, you know, not only what our mass advertising and communication was trying to get across around some of these empathetic features and product, uh, you know, features to the Discover 8 card, but then it was working with, you know, acquisition and performance marketing teams to figure out then how to, how to, how do we acquire these folks? What are the, what are the next features and benefits from a product perspective we need to be thinking about to draw out the innovation and, and keep the card and the product uh, exciting for folks? So I did that for, uh, oh gosh, uh, almost seven years, six years. And, um, and then I, uh, another Michigan State uh, 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 Sparty reached out, uh, who was a head of HR at uh, an ad agency in Chicago. And there was an opportunity for me to go and lead um, financial services. And, and later I would lead sort of customer experience for the State Farm account when I was at DDB. And so having been sort of on the client side of things, now being flipped over into the to the agency world, I effectively was Jake from State Farm for, for four years, which was which was great. <laughs> um, 
I wore khakis yeah, quite yeah, a bit. Yeah. 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 So it was great. We all um, wish we were Jake from State Farm. <laughs> right. Although I don't now know, we wish I we were Drake from State Farm. Hey, if I never wear another pair of khakis again, I'll be happy. But <laughs> I, I'm loving my uh, it, it doesn't get old. And in fact, you know, it's it, it's what going a, to follow me for wherever I go. And uh, it's great. incredibly um, successful advertising strategy. Yeah. Yes. And in fact, that concept of Jake from State Farm was it predated my my time my arrival at the agency when I I got to the agency in 2015 and 15 yeah and uh, that that ad had already been on air for five years and uh, and wow. and so the mm-hmm. reboot of it that we've seen recently you know they the original reboot of it's about a year and year and a half old and that footage is like 10 years old it's some of that's original footage and the best part of and you know sidetrack on on advertising but i think some of the best advertising is when there is simple humor that is you know unscripted and that's exactly what that khakis line was really? it was the director was just riffing back and forth with uh, with Jake, who was a, who was an actual State Farm employee, and um, and uh, he just started talking to him and asked him what he was wearing, and he said, "Oh, khaki." <laughs> the camera was rolling, and the rest is history. I, I well, if, if anyone tells you that it was scripted, they well, um, they got to check their facts. But um, so, <laughs> so when I was when I was working at DDB and, and State Farm, um, it, it was it. Uh, an interesting time because we we're trying to figure out how do we how do we continue to af- offer more value to an auto insurance company and State Farm, um, y- you know, in their infinite wisdom, was always trying to better serve the customer. Great long history around you know originally you know helping farmers in Central Illinois, but um, you know was one of the first companies to la- launch life insurance. State Farm has a bank; they have you know a variety of different retirement annuities, et cetera, products. And um, half of our battle was getting people to just even a be aware that uh, that State Farm offered these things. But then, when you think about like a life insurance product, it was perfect for for journey mapping, perfect for using data to trigger um, these uh, marketing opportunities for for agents or for the customer to then be invited to you know start to have a conversation. Because you know what we found is that often it's a it's a life event that triggers, um, you know, children. a conversation room. Yep. yep. Birth of children. Birth of children and a mortgage. And yep. Not, not so, house. yep. So that was where we started to dig a bit and tried to unearth and, and frankly, where we spent a lot of time uh, working through um, empathy maps, consumer, you know, consumer journeys. I, I did so many workshops with the clients to, to figure that out because it's a space that is is well traveled, but I would say nobody yet has truly cracked the nut on things like life insurance, things like these retirement products, in a way that really can um, move you from a from a communication standpoint, but even from a from a conversion standpoint too. Um, there's there's you know tons of opportunity there. So we started to explore things like you know how do we use behavioral economics and heuristics to to get uh, to, to trigger things for folks. So anyway, I did that for four years. It was super, uh, super fun and exciting. Um, and, uh, while I was, uh, uh, while I was there at the agency, I, uh, was getting my MBA at, uh, at Notre Dame. And so, uh, I finished, uh, that up in, um, May of 2020. And then I joined Valvoline in, uh, in June of, of June of 2020. And, um, at, at the time I, I hadn't, I didn't know that much about, 
uh, Valvoline as a, as a company, but can say that uh, through my research, you know, it's a, it's a newer, newer company in terms of being in the, in, in the publicly traded domain, only about six years uh, went, um, went public in, in uh, 2016, um, spun out of Ashland, which is a, you know, major uh, uh, lubricant and, and chemical company. And, um, and, and Valvoline um, is just this uh, amazing, um, has this amazing entrepreneurial spirit that I think was always there, but now sort of stepping out on its own, I really felt it as a, as a, uh, you know, prospective employee. Um, you could feel that from, from everyone that you met um, and you go into to a service center and you can sort of feel the experience. And um, there's just um, something exciting about sort of where the industry is going that, um, drew me to, to be, want to be a part, uh, of the organization. So that's what I did. I, I joined and, uh, so I've, I've been there ever since and having a great time. Uh, great, great story. And you're, you know, you're one of many former advertising people that ended up in CX and, um, that that's really cool. You know, people that really wanted to see what they were promising delivered and, uh, it's exciting to talk to you. Look forward to more updates. Um, thanks so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. You're a good guy. It's always good to talk to Spartans. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I still let Bob be on the show. He, you know, he's a Spartan at heart. Even I am a Spartan. Did, what are you talking about? He did get his MBA at Michigan. But, uh, but <laughs> other than that, he's a really good guy. But no, no, he's a great guy. Bob's a great uh, guy. Thanks. Uh, so thanks, great. Yeah. thanks so much, Jake. Really appreciate you being on the show and listeners. Uh, thanks for tuning in again. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tom and Bob show. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and share it on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you have any ideas or suggestions for future podcasts, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. After all, you're our customer. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.